Hey, greetings everyone, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to Steadfast and Loyal. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. You know, one of the things that I think we do not do very well on our side of, of the aisle, if you want to call it constitutional conservatives, Republican Party, but we don't have that strategic vision. We don't have that ability to see the battlefield and, and predict and understand and really get inside the head of our political opposition, our enemy, and their ideology. And where they're going to next. You know, one of the things that I always do, you know, folks that know me is, you know, I always carry my little three by five cards because this helps me to orient on many different subjects and topics. Because I think really what we're facing in America is not about party. It's about two competing philosophies of governance, two different ideologies. And those of you who have heard me speak, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going. It's constitutional conservatism against this progressivism, socialism, statism, Marxism, communism. That's what we're up against. It's about individualism, rights, freedoms, and liberties, and individual sovereignty against this collectivism. It's, a, it's about you know, understanding economic empowerment versus economic enslavement. It's all of these things. And you know, I, I write these things down. It's about the equality of opportunity versus the equality of outcomes. That's what equity is. But we don't have a, a good sense of being able to, to see and understand strategically where the other side is going so that tactically we can defeat them. Let me share with you one of the quotes uh, that I carry around uh, that I share with a lot of people. Uh, it, it says, the uncontested absurdities of today are the accepted slogans of tomorrow. They come to be accepted by degrees, by dint of constant pressure on one side and constant retreat on the other, until one day when they are suddenly declared to be the country's official ideology. That was written back in the 1950s by a woman named Ayn Rand. Now, you think about it. A few years ago, if someone had said, we're going to have biological males swimming against females in collegiate sporting events. You would have said, are you kidding me? Or you're going to have, you know, as I talked about last week in my monologue, you know, fat boy Rick, that overweight, gender dysphoric, suicidal U.S. Army major holding pride flags. I mean, can you imagine General Patton? walking into a headquarters and, and seeing fat boy Rick sitting there talking about how, you know, I, I'm, I'm Rachel. 
talking about patting slapping you know that guy upside the head because he didn't want to go out there and fight i believe he probably would have pulled out those ivory handle pistols and ended that story right there but you can say that's harsh colonel but how do we get to this point see the left operates on this thing called incrementalism they don't come out there first down 10 yards to go and try to throw a bomb which is what we tend to do on our side. We want everything right now. We want to go from the 20-yard line all the way down to the 10. No, see, the left understands you pick up three, four yards here. You pick up four, five yards here. Oh, first down. And, and now you got a new set of downs. You pick up another three, four yards. You pick up another uh, four or five yards. Oh, another first down. That's how they marched the ball down the field. And they score. And they get these things done. And we sit around and we say, what happened? Where did it come from? You know, one of the great examples of what I'm talking about was at the Battle of Gettysburg. Union Cavalry General J.N.L. Buford. One, one of the reasons why Lee stumbled into Gettysburg was because his cavalry commander, Jeb Stewart, was out there running around, you know, all over Pennsylvania, not doing what a cavalry commander is supposed to do. Cavalry commander is supposed to go out there gain and maintain contact with the enemy's main force and report back so that his main force, his main body, can there deploy itself and defeat the advancing enemy. So General Lee had no eyes out. But the Union, the Army of the Potomac, had eyes out in J.N.L. Buford. And so there he was. He arrived in Gettysburg, came through on the south side of town, and I've been to Gettysburg you know, several times. And he looked down to Chambersburg Pike, and he saw the lead elements of the Army of Northern Virginia. Everyone knew that Lee had somehow disappeared behind the Blue Ridge, but nobody knew where they were. But this cavalry commander found them. And quickly, he went through his mind how we are going to position ourselves at this battle so that we don't have another defeat like they just saw in Fredericksburg when Lee and the Army of Northern Virginia had the high ground at Mary's Heights in Fredericksburg, Virginia decimated the Union Army. So what General Buford understood was that I've got this high ground way back on the other side of, of the town, Cemetery Ridge. If I can delay the Confederate forces from getting to that excellent piece of high ground that dominates the entire battlefield here in Gettysburg, Maybe we got a chance. He played it out. He, 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 you know, if you haven't seen the movie Gettysburg, you, you should do it. Sam Neill did an incredible job portraying J.N.L. Buford. And, and all of the things he had going through his head. And what he understood was that I've got to fight a delaying action. And I will give a little ground, give a little ground. But in giving ground, I'm buying time. He sent a dispatch back to the lead elements of the Army of the Potomac, General Reynolds, the Black Hats from Pennsylvania, and they made haste. And so he, he bought time. And Lee and everyone thought that, first of all, they weren't sure who they were engaging because they had no Cav scouts out front. But Lee actually thought that he was winning a battle against the main force of the Army of the Potomac. And so he kept pressing the attack. 
And what ended up happening was that finally Buford and his cavalry regiment was pushed back to the high ground that they wanted to secure for the rest of the Army of the Potomac that was coming forward. And the rest is, as they say, history. Because the Union Army maintained the high ground. And Lee did not reposition his force to go and find better ground of choosing. He decided that he wanted to have a decisive battle there at Gettysburg, even though he did not have the dominating high ground. And it ended up being the first defeat of the Army of Northern Virginia under Robert E. Lee. Because of a cavalry commander, J.N.L. Buford, who had a strategic vision and understood how that battle would play out. Now, last year, we had a victory with the Dobbs decision. We had a Supreme Court that realized that the Supreme Court, the federal government, really does not have any constitutional jurisdiction over this thing and cannot grant a right to murder an unborn baby in the womb. And so it was kicked back down to the states. Now, the left, of course, went apoplectic and they tried to, you know, change the language. I mean, they did not end abortion. No, the murdering of unborn babies in the womb by dismemberment. No, they did not do that. They said that it is not in the purview, the jurisdiction of the federal government. It's not anywhere in the Constitution. So therefore, as we interpret the Constitution, Roe v. Wade was not in concert with the enumerated powers of the federal government. And furthermore, the Supreme Court can't make a law. So all these people saying that Roe v. Wade was a law, the only people that can make a law is the United States legislature. So what has happened now? See, we did not stop and think, okay, this gets kicked back down to the states. What's the left going to do? How can we block what the left is going to do? And now we know what they're going to do because they're enacting it in Ohio. They've already enacted it in several other states. They're looking at doing it in Missouri. They are going after ballot initiatives. And see, the thing about ballot initiatives is that lots of times people don't pay any attention to these ballot initiative elections. Uh, uh, trust me on this. Now, people can go out and tell you, Donald Trump's running for president. They can't tell you about who their city council member is. We're starting to understand how important school board's elections are. And then those of you that know me, you know that I've always said the most important elected position in the United States of America is school board. Now we understand why school board is so important. And now we're getting involved in school board elections. So we were late to the party, but at least we showed up to the party. And the left doesn't like the fact that we showed up. But we have to be vigilant. We have to be resolute. We have to be relentless to continue to try to win these school board elections. County commission elections, so important. Election procedures and processes are done at the county level. Constitutional sheriffs, we need to be involved in sheriff elections because we need to have constitutional sheriffs out there that are doing the right thing. So that a governor like Governor Pritzker up in Illinois who can come down and say, we're going to take these weapons. Sheriffs can stand up and say, eh, I'm not going to uphold that law because it's unconstitutional. Or we're going to give a legal driver's license. Eh, hey, down in my county, we're not going to allow that to happen. Okay, if we believe that you're illegal and you have, no, not going to do it. 
See, that's how we have to start thinking strategically. Where is the left going to go? How can we position ourselves? How can we block their efforts? How can we make sure that these absurdities that they come up with don't end up being our official ideology, which is what they want to have happen. Look at what's going on in our military. But what they are doing now with these ballot initiatives in respective states, they're trying to change state constitutions to enshrine murdering unborn babies in the womb all the way up to birth and even afterwards. I mean, the chuckleheads out in California say that, hey, you know, murder the baby after it's born. That's infanticide. But that's the left. That's the evil that commands them. That's the demonic nature of who they are. You can say whatever you want. I don't care. It's demonic. It's like the, the Baal god Moloch. The God of Child Sacrifice. Friends with Beelzebub. If you don't know who I'm talking about, then you probably should go to church and read a little bit more. But the bottom line is this. we got to start calling these things for what they are. And so this is what's happening in Ohio. In Ohio, you have issue one that is coming up. It's a special election coming up on the 8th of August. Already started the early voting on issue one. Why do they need issue one? Because the left is going after all of these states out there that say that you only need 50% plus one to amend a constitution. You can't even do that with the United States Constitution. And so what they want to do is they want to have this election in November, a ballot initiative, and it's going to be on the ballot in November. But what they want to do is they want to capitalize on the fact that it's only a 50 plus one percentage to change the Constitution in the state of Ohio. So finally, people came to the dance and realized, hey, we got to do something about this. And Ohio, they're having this special election, issue one, which will take it from a simple majority to a 60% majority to be able to amend the Constitution there in the state of Ohio. Now you're saying, hey, Colonel, is this a big deal in, in some places? Well, let me, let me just read it to you. State vote percent thresholds for constitutional amendments. 66.67% vote threshold in New Hampshire. 60% vote threshold in Arizona and Illinois. 55% voting threshold Colorado. States that only have a 50% plus one vote threshold to amend the Constitution. Change the rule of law in their state. Alabama. Arkansas. California. Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Maine, Michigan, Missouri, Montana, North Carolina, North Dakota, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, New York, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Virginia, Vermont, Washington, Wisconsin, West Virginia. States that have special rules that govern the vote for passage to change the, uh, uh, the constitution of a state, a constitutional amendment, are Maine, Mi no, Massachusetts, I'm sorry, Massachusetts, 
Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Tennessee, and Wyoming. But the preponderance of states here in the United States of America only require a 50% plus one vote threshold to change their constitution, amend their constitution. That's dangerous. Especially when you think about a ballot initiative election. Because even in the 2020 presidential election cycle, I think we were still less than 50% of this country that came out to vote. And see, what the left believes and what they're doing in Ohio with this election here, uh, this special election, and, of course, the ballot initiative, they're dumping tens of millions of dollars because they're very, very well funded. They resource these things. We don't even talk about it. I mean, how many of you people out there even knew about this issue one thing, about this special election in Ohio? How many people in Ohio knew about it? And you're already in early voting. This thing is going to happen on the 8th of August as to whether or not you will raise the threshold to have a constitutional amendment changed or amend your constitution in your respective state. And it's not just this thing about murdering unborn babies in the womb. It's this right here. And, and you know, I'm a national spokesperson for My Faith Votes, and so they've done an incredible job looking at this. Abortion and LGBTQIA plus alphabet soup mafia activists are working hard to stamp out protections for babies in the womb, religious freedom and parental rights by enshrining gender and so-called reproductive rights in states' constitutions. So this is not just about murdering unborn babies. The next thing you know, you're going to wake up. And as we have seen out in the state of Washington, you're going to be told that if you don't go along and get along with your child saying they want to have a gender reaffirming surgery, which is basically gender mutilation, you're not reaffirming or affirming anything other than whacking off healthy body parts. If you don't go along with that, you can be criminally prosecuted and your child be taken away from you. As a matter of fact, there was a poll that just recently came out. 44% of, I think it's millennials, 44% believe that you should be charged with a crime if you don't, you know, appropriately address someone by the gender of their preference. They call it misgendering. So all of a sudden, I, you know, what I just said here about that overweight, gender dysphoric, suicidal major, since I call him Rick and not Rachel, what the left believes is that I should go to jail. I, I, I should, that, should, that should be a crime. This is the type of stuff that they're going to be pushing in all of these states. You want me to read them again? I mean, happy to do it, but maybe we'll just post it up. But all these states with a 50% plus one vote threshold for amending their state constitution. You might want to pay attention to that. Because what the left is looking for is every single gap by which they can exploit. And we leave these gaps wide open. Remember what Ayn Rand said? Constant pressure on one side, constant retreat on the other. But the other thing that she did not mention, constant apathy. Now, there's a whole bunch of pastors out there shouting hallelujah and everything like that. Last time I checked Deuteronomy 30 19, the Lord gave us a very simple choice. Life or death, he said, choose life so that you and your future generations, your descendants, shall live. 
Where are the churches? Where are the pastors? You know, I was supposed to go up to Cleveland, Ohio, to rally people on this issue about issue one up there, this special election on the 8th of August. My Faith Votes was going to sponsor it. Had to cancel the trip. Lack of participation. See, that's what's going to kill us here in the United States of America. Because the left is constantly thinking about what they can do, constantly looking at the evil they can perpetuate upon us here in this country based upon their deranged, delusional, demonic, demented, dangerous ideological agenda. And we sit around kind of like, you know, what was the little blue people, the Smurfs? Da, 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 da. And the next thing you know, we say, oops, what happened? How do we get pornographic books in our libraries? How all of a sudden or, or am I being told my kid can't read, uh, do math at grade level? But they know everything about gender dysphoria and same-sex uh, you know, relationships and all of these things. And my kid just came home and said, you know, hey, mommy and daddy, uh, I don't want to be a little boy anymore. I want to be a little girl. Who put that idea in their heads? Because of the apathy that we show. So I'm telling you, it's time to wake up. It's start, time to start thinking about what is going on in your local level of governance. Because the left does not rest. The, they, they don't sleep. They're relentless. And you're saying, well, Carl, you know, I'm just trying to live my life and, you know, raise my kids. Well, guess what? They don't want you to live your life. They want complete power and control of your life. How many times do you have to be told by Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Kamala Harris, and the binder, Corrine Jean-Pierre, that your children aren't your children? That's what they're saying here, is that in these respective states, they're going to start looking at how they can make the decision about children living and dying, mostly dying, about whether or not your little boy should be a little girl. Or your little girl should be a little boy. They're trying to make the decision about what you can have in your home, what type of stove you can have, what type of dishwasher you can have, what type of vehicle you drive. See, that's what happens with their constant pressure and our constant retreat and our constant apathy. So I'm telling you, go and find out what the threshold is in your respective state to amend your state constitution. Because the left knows. And oh, by the way, you really want to know what happened in the 2020 election? Eric Holder told us. The left told us. You can go back to Time Magazine. You can read the article. How coronavirus should permanently change elections in the United States of America. That's how bold they are. That's how they can go out and say your children aren't your children. They belong to us. We're going to decide if they can live. We're going to decide when they die. Maybe they die before they even get given birth to. We're going to decide even if they can be a little boy or a little girl. Eric Holder came out and said, unsolicited mail-in ballots. That's the ticket. That's the bomb. So here we were, there like J.N.L. Buford, looking down at Chambersburg Pike, seeing the Army of Northern Virginia coming. 
and we did nothing. We surrendered. We knew their battle plan. If we don't start having strategic vision on our side, if we keep on with the same old shenanigans and antics, you know, people going back and forth and talking about all these things, if we don't have a better educated and informed group of constitutional conservatives, they're going to continue to outmaneuver us. I mean, I hadn't heard anyone from the RNC talk about this. I don't know what they're doing. I know, you know, they go out and they raise a lot of money, you know, because they got to keep them political consultants and the elitist donor class happy. And the elitist donor class, you know, they really don't care. You guys shouldn't talk about this issue about murdering unborn babies. Who cares about that? That, that that's, that's a divisive issue. That's a, or, or they say, that's a divisive issue. I, I, I got to stand up for the number one inalienable right of an American citizen, and that's life, born and unborn. Let's start figuring out the battle plan, the strategy, the game plan of the progressive socialist leftists, the Marxists, the communists, the statists, the atheists, the agnostics, all of them, that do not believe in the simple fundamentals and principles of this constitutional republic. Let's start ex executing a tactical battle plan that defeats them before they even get to what they're trying to do. That's what Sun Tzu taught us in the art of war. That's why that was mandatory reading when I was a young lieutenant back in 1982-83. And I will say something, and maybe people won't like it, but President Trump, it ain't about the art of the deal. Because you can't make a deal with these devils. The only thing you can do is to defeat them. And I think you understand why when you look at the constant assault that they've been leveraging against you. And ladies and gentlemen, 2024 is it. But right now, we got to start protecting our sovereign states in our state constitutions. Steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down